0: On Saturday, we will be gathering together uh, for a memorial service. And then the following Saturday, another memorial service. We've been praying for um, Tammy Vitale for several months. um, And she got the call to come home on Monday afternoon about 3.15 or so. And uh, so we'll be gathering together with the family here. And uh, in the meantime, remember Ken in prayer. As he um, makes the adjustment after being with her for 20 years or so uh, to not having her at home. And so continue to pray for her. I think that's all the announcement I need to make. Read the bulletin. Thank you. Um, If there's anything else in the bulletin, in light of the fact that this is the first Mother's Day since I started earning money, that I did not have to go to the greeting card section of one of the local stores and read dozens of cards trying to find the one for my mom. And since this is the first Mother's Day since I earned my own money, that I didn't have to figure out what in the world am I gonna buy my mother for Mother's Day. Um, Maybe some of you find that easy. We didn't. We didn't. Um, and, uh, you know, knowing more often than not that whatever I bought her missed the mark and I would never see it again until now when we have to clean the house. Um, I decided to save my Mother's Day message for Saturday. Um, I only want to create it once. And I only want to share it once in light of um, my mother. So if you came looking for a Mother's Day sermon, come again Saturday. (laughs) Um, And I'm going to talk to all of us today and mothers included. Um, I want to continue our series of lessons that we began in in the book of Genesis. And uh, uh, somebody put on the note on the youtube that hope that I preach through the whole bible you better pray that I live to be 100 because if we're going to go through the whole bible at the way that I go it'll be a long time um, it's a we have made it to chapter 2 now i remind you that when moses was moved upon by god to to write the Book of Beginnings, and the first five books of the Old Testament, Pentateuch, that he just wrote a narrative, and Genesis is kind of a history book, and he talks about uh, up to the time of Abraham. He kind of condenses that into 11 chapters, including Noah and the flood, And, and then he begins that story about the family of Abraham, and Isaac, and Jacob, and Joseph, to throw it out. But when he wrote it, he wrote it in a manner that was probably on scrolls and there was no chapters and verses because he wasn't thinking about those kinds of things. It was just one long narrative. Stephen Langton, the Archbishop of Canterbury, is credited with dividing the scriptures into chapters as we have them today. And it was somewhere around A.D. 1448 when a Jewish rabbi named Nathan divided the Old Testament chapters into verses. And then in 1555, a man named Stephanus divided the Greek New Testament into verses. And it was about that time that you had the whole Bible divided into chapters and verses. Reading the context of chapter 1 and chapter 2, Somebody missed a good place to put a chapter thing. Uh, One writer said the 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 story of Stephanus was riding on his horse when he was doing it and it it jumped and where it shouldn't have been. But chapter two, the first three verses should go back to chapter one. And I'll tell you why um, as we read through here. Uh, in chapter 1, we talked about the first six days of creation. God created the heavens and the earth, and he filled them with life, including Homo sapiens, Adam, Ish. Let's read the last verse of chapter 1 to show you why I believe that that would be connected. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening there was morning, the sixth day. The heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, God rested from all the work that he had done in creation. It wraps up the week. He started on day one. Now it's day seven, everything's gone, everything's done, and God begins to rest. So we've been walking through creation, back beginning in verse 3 of chapter 1, one day at a time, one day at a time. And now we come to the seventh day, and there's some significant changes in the way he talks about the seventh day. Number one, there is no, and God said. Every other, all six of the other days, and God said, let there be, and there was. But when we get to chapter 7, there's no more, and God said. The seventh day has no closing. Every other one of them ends with, there was evening and morning, And this was the first day. This was the second. There was evening and morning the second day, evening and morning the third day. But when he comes to the seventh day, we don't see the end of the day. The seventh day was the only day blessed and made holy by God. It was blessed and made holy by God. Number four, the seventh day has no corresponding day. No corresponding. If you're here last Sunday, you remember we talked about the fact on day one, God said, Let there be light. On day four, He put the firmaments, He put the luminaries, I mean, they put the luminaries in the heavens, the sun to rule the day and the moon to rule the night. But He didn't call them that, He just called them light. Day one and day four were connected. And then on, on day two, now he creates the atmosphere, the sky, and the sea. On day five, he fills the sky with birds and the sea with all kinds of sea life. On day number three, am I getting it? Day number three, he makes the mountains and the land come up out of the water and covers it with vegetation. On the sixth day, he fills that land with all kinds of creatures to eat the vegetation and be sustained by the vegetation, including human beings. Day seven, it stands all alone. Unlike the first six days, number five, the seventh day is mentioned three times in verses two and three. On the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. He rested on the seventh day from his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it God rested from all his work that he had done. And if you were to look at that in the original Hebrew, it's a a form of poetry. Uh, But since this isn't a composition class, we'll just. But he mentions it three times the seventh day. It was the crowning day to God's handiwork. The seventh day was to be a very significant day, especially for the people of Israel from their time at Mount Sinai on. The seventh day was central to Israel's relationship with God. Note that God rested. We read that several times. He rested. God rested. He rested from the work he'd done. God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. I find that to be a most interesting statement. Why would God need to rest? Was he fatigued? Doesn't the scripture teach us that he's omnipotent? All powerful? So if he's all powerful, how much power does he lose If he sends his power in one direction. How much power did he lose when he said let there be light? So it's an interesting statement. He's all powerful. He's omnipotent. Totally self-sufficient. Omnipotent means he never depletes his power. He's not like the Teslas that we saw when we were eating at the panera bread the other night and they've got that charging station there we went in and there was a half a dozen cars and when we came back out all the white ones were now black because they'd all changed positions and you know they can only go so far and they've got to plug that thing in and of course our gas cars you only go so far and you got to plug something in god never needs to be recharged Scripture says he never sleeps and he never slumbers. Why? Because he never needs to be recharged. So, what does it mean that God rested from his work? That word rest, if you look it up in your concordance and follow through the Hebrew, it can mean this to cease from. To cease from. God ceased from his work of doing creation. He ceased from creating in heaven and earth and all in them because the job was complete. Creation was complete. He put into motion everything that now is going to reproduce by its kind, and he's got it all. So he ceased doing those creative things. Though God rested, he never stopped working. Though he rested, God never stopped working. In the Gospel of John, there's the story of Jesus uh, going through the city of Jerusalem, and he comes through one of the gates and comes into the pool of Bethesda, where all the kinds of sick people, they would lay around the pool waiting for, they believed that an angel would come and stir up the waters, and any first person in gets healed. And all these people are there, and Jesus comes up to one man who's been in, crippled, paralyzed for 38 years, and he said, do you want to be healed? I have nobody to put me in the water. Well, take up your bed and walk. And he did. There was a problem. He was soon arrested by the religious folks because it was the Sabbath day, the seventh day. What are you doing carrying your bed on the Sabbath day? Well, this guy told me to take my bed and walk, and I haven't walked for 38 years, and I think it's kind of cool. And who told you to do that? I don't know who he was. He didn't even know who did it. They met lettered in the temple. Those religious leaders come after Jesus, and they hated him for working on the Sabbath. I give you that background because I want you to, to hear what, Jesus said in John 5, 17, Jesus answered them, My Father is working until now, and I am working. He said the Father's been working all along, even on the Sabbath day. And I'm working on the Sabbath day because there's another scripture where he he talks about He's the Lord of the Sabbath. God rested from creating. He did not stop working. What would happen to this world if God stopped working? Have you ever thought about that? I think the scripture talks about the one that He's the one who holds it all together. I mean, that spiritual is more than just a spiritual. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's holding it all together. If he stops working, we're done. He kept on working. He kept on working. God's rest was one of great satisfaction at the fruit of his labors. He entered into this this, I ceased from this work with great satisfaction. He said, it is very good. It is very good. Everything was good until he created Eve for Adam, and then suddenly everything is ver- very good. At that time, Adam and Eve were enjoying a sense of rest. While they were not idle in the garden, there was a restfulness to their existence with God in that special place that God had created to dwell with them. We'll come back to that in coming lessons. But God created that place to come and dwell with man in that paradise. It was rest that was lost when they fall, but rest that is restored through the redemption brought to us by the blood of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Roman numeral number two in your notes, God blessed the seventh day, the Sabbath day. Looking back to day five and day six, God blessed the creatures that he created. God blessed them so that in... with that blessing they were able to, to reproduce. There was fruitfulness. More creatures came into existence via the process that God had created for each species and level of creation. So when God blessed the seventh day, the Sabbath day, he bestowed on this day a power which makes it fruitful for human existence. Blessing the seventh day makes it a day of perpetual spiritual spring, a day of spiritual multiplication and spiritual fruitfulness, a day of rest that has the power to stimulate and fulfill the words when Jesus said, I have come to give you life abundantly, life to the full. God blessed it. And number three, God made it holy. God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. As near as I can tell, it's the first thing that God hallowed, the first thing that God made holy the seventh day. And I ref- pointed out again this blessed and holy day has no end no evening, no morning. It started when creation was finished, and it continues to this point in time. God still rests from that great event, but he's still working. Jesus said he's been working all along and he's, I'm working. He blessed the seventh day and he made it holy because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Number four, God commanded Israel to make the day holy. God commanded Israel to make the day holy, to set this day aside. By the time Moses is writing Genesis, hundreds of years have gone by. There's been the flood, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. There's 400 years of of, uh, living in the land of Egypt to escape the, the famine that was in Joseph's day. Then there's the miraculous deliverance from slavery and the beginning of the journey toward the promised land. And at Mount Sinai, God gave Moses 10 commandments written in stone. The fourth commandment says this. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God on it. Work six days, rest on the seventh. If you read the rest of the Pentateuch, the five books, God told them to do that with the land. Plant your crops six years, the seventh year, leave that ground fallow. And you know what? To this day, good farmers do that because they discovered that the soil re-enriches itself when you give it a Sabbath. Remember when God sent them manna? Every morning they would go find manna, except what day? On the Sabbath there was no the seventh day there was they were to take double portion on the sixth day. And that was the only day you could take a double portion. You took a double portion any other day, it would rot before the next day. God wanted them to make this a part of. Do you know what the penalty was for breaking the Sabbath? It was a capital crime. Death. Why? What did God want us to do on this day of Sabbath? A, as I read that commandment, God intends for us to celebrate the Creator. There has to be a reason why God included the words "for in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth." In our humanness, in our human pride, we are vulnerable to taking too high of opinion of our abilities and our accomplishments. That is why that more than once in the Bible we are told to remember what God has done. Now, I realize here that on the West Coast, even the ungodly love to celebrate the creation. Camping, fishing, hunting, boating, hiking, biking. And God did create it for us to enjoy, to dwell in. But what He really wants us to do is honor the Creator. To honor the Creator. To make the Sabbath day holy. they to spend time meditating and thinking about the one who created all of this for us. And our total dependence on Him. It's not in my notes, but why did Jesus tell us to remember His broken body and His blood? Because if we don't, we get to thinking we're pretty good. And we worked our way into heaven. It's all about the blood of Jesus. It's all about His grace. So the Sabbath is about remembering our Creator. Look what Isaiah wrote regarding the Sabbath. Isaiah 58, 13, 14. If you turn back your foot from the Sabbath He says, if you put me first, there's going to be a blessing. God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Observing the Sabbath day brings the blessing of God on life. Letter B, we celebrate salvation on the Sabbath day. We celebrate salvation. In Deuteronomy, where Moses reiterates the law. In Exodus chapter 20, we're at Mount Sinai. In Deuteronomy, we are in a place where they are about to go into the promised land. Moses knows that he's been told his days are numbered, he's going to die, and Joshua is going to take them in. So Moses reminds them of the things that they were taught 40 years ago by God himself. He said in verse 12 of chapter 5, Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy, as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, your ox, your donkey, or any of your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates, that your male servant, and your female servant may rest as well as you. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Did you get that verse 15? You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. What started out as a blessing to save Jacob's family from starvation when they moved down to Egypt turned into a time of great persecution and outright slavery to the Egyptians and the whims of the Pharaohs. But God miraculously freed them. The plagues, the opening of the Red Sea, all of that. God said on the Sabbath day, remember who it is who brought you out. Remember who it is who brought you out. And then he gave them the feast of the Passover every year. Remember the blood. It was by the blood that you were saved. Remember how God answered your prayers. So we learn from Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 5 that the Sabbath is included a celebration of our Creator, the celebration of salvation that He provides. It's about remembering who He is and what He's done and He's doing. Sabbath is about resting from our labors and being restored as we turn our eyes toward Him. It's about resting from our labors and being restored as we turn our eyes toward On him. There is a third aspect as to why God wanted them to always keep the Sabbath holy. Number five, it was a covenant sign. It was a covenant sign that God had made a covenant. They were people of a covenant. That covenant that God made with Abraham, he said, I will make of you a great nation. He reiterated that to Isaac, to Jacob, and then to Moses. I'll be your God and you'll be my people. Verse 12 of chapter 31 of Exodus, And the Lord said to Moses, You are to speak to the people of Israel and say, Above all, you shall keep my Sabbath, for this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations, that you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. Verse 16, therefore, the people of Israel shall keep the Sabbath, observing the Sabbath throughout their generations as a covenant for Yeah, I'm looking at my watch because there's thoughts coming to my mind that are not on my paper. By the time Jesus come around and those people hated him for not keeping the sabbath they forgot to acknowledge the creator they forgot to acknowledge salvation they forgot really to it was all about if we do all of these good works God is beholden to us and people are going to be amazed by our goodness but it was all a stench in God's nostrils. Because it wasn't the heart that took time to say, it's all about God and what God has done, what God is doing, and what God will do. No extra charge for that, okay? The creator of mankind gave us some very specific commands that when followed, benefit our lives with rest and Restoration and that rest and restoration is turning our eyes back to him the one who created us the one who's redeemed our souls from bondage the one who made us his children so the jews in an effort to keep the sabbath holy created numerous laws to define what that meant that's why they were so perturbed when jesus healed on the sabbath day that's why they were so perturbed when he, they grabbed some some Food and while they're going through the fields on the Sabbath day. That's why they were really upset when Jesus said to a man on the Sabbath day, Your sins are forgiven, take up your mat and walk. Earlier, I made this statement about Adam and Eve living in a place of rest along with God in the garden called Eden. There was a level of that rest that they lost when they were expelled. I'm sure we'll talk more about that in chapter 2 and 3. But to wrap this up this morning, I want to jump ahead to the New Testament. I want to jump ahead all the way to the Good Friday. The story that you read in John 19. Jesus has been brutally beaten. He'd been nailed to cross. Mocked. on a cross between two criminals. The sun was turned out in the middle of the day for three hours. Not a momentary eclipse. Three hours darkness over the land. Verse 30 of John 19 says this, When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished and he bowed his head and gave up the spirit. It is finished. We know that on Easter Sunday morning he rose from the grave. We know that 40 days later he ascended into the sky, into the third heaven. And what did he do when he went back to heaven? He sat down at the right hand of the Father where he ever makes intercession you and I the plan of salvation that was created before the world was created was finished there was finished the writer of the book of Hebrews wants you and me to know that right now there is a present rest a present rest for your soul and my soul in the last part of Hebrews chapter three, the author reminds us of what happened to the Israelites when Moses brought them to Kadesh Barnea. They were at Mount Sinai a couple years. They finally they come to a place where they can cross over into the Promised Land. They spend the twelve spies. Ten of them come back and say, "There's no way we can do this. Walled cities and giants." and they rebelled against God because they felt it would be suicide to go in because they didn't trust God. They were unable to enter because of their unbelief. They had been given the promise of living in a land flowing with milk and honey, but they died in the wilderness instead because they did not obey God. Now, some people believe that the promised land is a picture of heaven. I personally believe the promised land is a picture of your life and my life as born-again believers. Obtaining the blessing of God, the inheritance of God, while we are here. Because in heaven there's not going to be any giants, any walled cities, any battles to fight. But in the promised land, and obtaining what God has promised us, well, you you all understand that we're in a battle right now. We have an enemy who wants to take away everything that God wants to give us in this abundant life. And living in that promised land is dependent upon obeying God. Because of what Jesus accomplished in his death and resurrection, we enter into a rest right now, a shalom, a peace, a sense of well-being. Hebrews 4, 9 says this, So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. I do not work for my salvation, I rest in the one who obtained that salvation for me. We enter that rest by faith, is the next note. We enter that rest by faith. The good news came to us just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. Faith. While it is still true, our physical body benefits from keeping the Sabbath, what the writer of Hebrews wants us to know is that there is a rest that can only be experienced in Jesus. There is a rest for my soul, my spirit, my mind that can only be experienced in Jesus. The writer of Hebrews wants you to know that Jesus is our Sabbath. He is our rest. It takes more than mental assent to that truth. It takes trust in Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. That's what gives me rest. Trust in Jesus as my Lord and Savior gives me rest. Trust. Faith plus trust. When I place my faith and trust in Jesus, I have the assurance in my heart that He, the Creator, He's my Savior, He's my Maker, He's my Redeemer. When I put my trust totally in Jesus, burdens are lifted off of me. I am free from the futility of trying to gain rest, to gain peace by my incessant striving. I'm able to rest in Jesus, knowing that as I trust in Him, my weaknesses will be replaced by His strength. Isaiah 40, 31. Those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings as eagles. They'll run and not be weary. He's my rest, my shalom. The more I trust Jesus, the more at rest I am. The more I trust Jesus, the more at rest I am. Have you heard of Hudson Taylor? Founder of China Inland Mission. A man who felt called to go to China and he worked for years and years and years as a missionary. And you'd like to say he converted the whole... He didn't have very many converts, but he was faithful. He was faithful. He was one of the forefathers of the missionary movement that today missionaries from every nation in the world sending missionaries to other nations in the world. It was not an easy life for him. Not a, a great deal of obvious fruit in his toiling. His son wrote these words about his father, living in the rest of Jesus. I quote, Day and night this was his secret, just to roll the burden on the Lord. Frequently those who were wakeful in the little house at Chincain might hear at two or three in the morning the soft refrain of Mr. Taylor's favorite hymn, Jesus, I'm resting, resting. I don't know the hymn, but he did. Jesus, I'm resting, resting. He had learned that for him only one life was possible, just that blessed life of resting and rejoicing in the Lord under all circumstances. While he dealt with difficulties inward, outward, great and small. In the midst of life, in the storms of life, there is a Sabbath rest in Jesus. You can trust him with everything. What do we know about God's type of rest? Let me give three observer, four observations, maybe five, I don't know. Number one, it's a joyful rest. It's a joyous rest. It's a joyous rest. Job, what a great story. Job 38, God finally comes on the scene and uh, he says to Job and to his four buddies who've tried to straighten Job out, and where were you when I formed the world? Where were you when I created the sea monsters? Where were you? And and he comes down in verse seven, Where were you when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God or the angels shouted for joy? When God completed the creation and said, I'm gonna rest from my work, the stars and the angels all shouted for joy because God had completed that work I remember Jesus saying to the twelve I've told you these things so that if you do them your joy will be full remember him saying that I've told you these things so that if you do them your joy will be full it's a satisfying rest, a satisfying rest. When God looked at everything He created, he said, it's very good, and he was satisfied. Uh, he was satisfied from the millions of tiny bugs to the billions of stars beyond our ability to see. God said it was very good, and he entered into the rest. Number three, it's a working rest. It's a working rest. Second Chronicles 16:9 says, "The eyes of the Lord." run to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless towards him. He's constantly looking for somebody that he can work through. Romans 8, 28. And we know for those who love God, all things work together for good for those called according to his purpose. Why? Because God is at work. Matthew 28 20. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. He didn't go to sleep. He just stopped the creation problems because it was done. But he continues to work. I could spend the rest of the afternoon quoting verses. Promises of God's activities in our lives, his providence, his provision, his protection. Resting like the Apostle Paul, when he wrote to his son and the Lord, Timothy, in Second Timothy, he said, I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he's able to guard until that day what I've entrusted to him and what he's entrusted to me. The rest we're talking about is not just any rest, it's a divine rest. It's the rest of God, his shalom. There is a a now and a then to a rest in him. There's a now and a then. Right now, through Christ, we are entering into a rest. The kind of rest that H. B. Spafford wrote about, After his four daughters had drowned at sea and his son had died and he'd lost part of his business to the Chicago fire, he wrote, when peace like a river attendeth my way, or when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, Lord, you've taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. There's a future rest in heaven. There's a future rest in heaven, the ultimate rest. And I heard a voice from heaven saying, write this, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Blessed indeed, says the Spirit, they may rest from their labors for their deeds follow them. Today, right now, in this service, today Jesus says these words. Come to me, all who labor and heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. I think I mentioned last week Augustine's statement our souls are restless until they find rest in thee. Trying to do life on your own will leave you exhausted from the striving and feeling empty and burnt out. But when you put your trust in the Creator, redeemer, covenant maker. He promised that there would be a well of living water spring up from within your soul. A river of peace, a river of joy, a river of divine contentment, a rest that strengthens your soul. On this Mother's Day, 2023, are you resting in Jesus? Are you trusting him with all of your heart? Are you living with this awareness? He's your creator. He's your savior. He's your covenant maker who never fails to keep his word. I want you to stand and we're going to sing a song. We're going to start with the second verse because...